Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Job chapters 5, 6, and 7. So now we're getting really into this book of Job, um, which is, like I have mentioned before, it's it's really a very different book, and it really challenges our thinking in a lot of ways. So, you know, thus far, Job has been, um, he's been tested. Uh, you know, Satan asked for permission from God to basically sift him, take away all of the things around him, um, and see if he would still uh, seek the Lord, see if, see if he would still uh, belong to the Lord, be righteous, and... Uh, as he took away a few things, he, he did. And, and he, he had this this disposition of, you know what? I didn't come here with anything. Uh, I'm not going to leave with anything. So bless God either way. And uh, which, is a, which is a really great mentality for us to have. To not attach our love of the Lord on the things in which he's given us. Our love of the Lord is just for who he is and that he's given us himself. And uh, so, but, you know, then... Satan comes back and says, well, um, you haven't let me touch him yet. Let me touch him. And the Lord says, don't kill him. And then boils break out all over his body. And he's painful. And it's, he's scraping them off with pieces of pottery. And then his wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? So now his wife's against him. He's lost his children. He's lost all of his livelihood. And then now's a pretty good time for his friends to come into town. So he's in this really broken state. And he's got three friends that roll up in town. And they grieve for a minute with him. They mourn for seven days. And uh, they don't really know what to say. Of course, what would you say? You know, this is an incredibly difficult moment. I mean, it, it, I think, I think the greatest um, brokenness that we'll meet people in present day is when we're talking to them after the 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 death of a of a near loved one. Uh, you know, maybe you go to visit them at a funeral or or something. And it's a a spouse or if it's a child. Um, there's no words. There's no words. I am um, a pastor, and when I get around people, especially the more hurting that they're experiencing, the more I'm asking the Lord to give me a word. God, give me a word. Give me something. And I cannot tell you how many times I've been around um, people that are just in such a place of devastation that there is no word to come from my mouth. There's a lot of prayers prayed. In private for them but when I'm face to face with them it's a hug it's a smile and maybe it's a maybe it's a, a kind word but it's definitely it's not the place for uh, um, much more than that because um, the the heart is is in a broken state it's not in a in a state of, of being a, fertile and ready to receive 
if that makes sense. And I, I mentioned that today because, you know, given a seven-day period, then his friends start to speak up. And his friends are demonized for a lot of their speech, um, meaning they are looked upon foolishly. We, we just think, oh my gosh, these friends were the worst. But the reality of it is, church, that we're a lot like these friends because what we do is, is what they do. They thought they were wise enough to understand their friend's circumstance better than he did. Come on. We do this. We we look into other people's lives and other people's worlds, and we think, I know exactly what they're doing wrong. I know exactly what they did to get themselves in the situation that they're in. I know exactly what they need to do to get out. And then, we're, we're so we're judging them, and uh, we start to think this way. We exalt ourselves higher than them, which is the opposite of what a good friend would do. And then... Sometimes we even do what what they did. We start to share our opinion, even eloquently. I mean, these these guys here, they're they're pretty eloquent in their speech. But ultimately, they're coming up to him, and you know, one by one. I mean, the first one, Eliphaz, he's coming up and he's going, "Hey, listen, Joe. You know, um, you know, if I was you, I'd seek God. Uh, that's what I'd do, and uh, I'd commit my cause. And uh, you know." Uh, you know, God, God's God's a God that He blesses those who bless Him, and He curses those who curse Him. And you know, and, he, and He's just kind of saying all this. And you know what? It's not even wrong. Some of the things that He's saying. I mean, scripturally, it, it even adds up with some of the other places of the Bible. Um, yet, even a good word spoken at the wrong time to the wrong person can actually be hurtful. That's why we have to, you know, be led by the Spirit to know what to say and when to say something. And so, because this isn't the time um, to say to an innocent man who's going through a testing from the Lord that he needs to give up his wicked ways and repent. And that's essentially the message that comes out of so many of his friends' mouths. And Job finally stands up in chapter 6 and says, you know, in so many words, he says, you know, I, 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 I wish I was dead. Um, you know, I haven't done anything. Basically, if I had done something, I would repent, but I haven't done anything, yet I just want to die because, you know, my life is essentially over as far as I know it. And, um, you know, and, he, and he's in an incredibly broken state, Job is. Um, now, Job is referred to as a just man, not just in the beginning of this book, but I think overall, if you look at his story from as a whole... I think we could look at Job and say that he was a righteous man. and But if you read like chapter 6 and chapter 7 where Job is talking about um, just how much he wishes to be dead and how miserable he is, just because he was a righteous and just man did not mean that he didn't, didn't experience real feelings. He also was a flesh man. He also was a human. And so sometimes we're going to feel... Um, overwhelming emotions. He's lost his children. He's lost everything that he has. Even And honestly, his breaking point, and this is powerful, his breaking point was really, I don't, I mean, obviously, losing of his children was incredibly devastating. But I think what, scripturally, if we really want to track, man, where did it turn for Job? Where did it really get to where he was really broken? Well, for me, I believe that it's when his wife um, it turned and said, 
why don't you just curse God and die? And then his friends come into town and, and basically accuse him of wrongdoing. And that's when he really becomes broken. And there's, there's so much power in that because, you know, we can go through a lot of difficult circumstances, but when we feel alone in this world and like nobody gets us and nobody has compassion for us and nobody has empathy for us and nobody has love for us, it's, it, it is overwhelming. And, you know, and that's the power of community. That's the power of church. That's what we're supposed to be to one another. Um, that we're supposed to not try to figure each other out, you know, just because you go to church with somebody or because you're family with somebody, your friends or whatever, quit trying to figure them out. Quit sitting around thinking about why their life is the way that it is and what they've done wrong to put themselves in this position and what they need to do right to, you know, I mean, it, it, it feels, it feels justified sometimes, doesn't it? To, to come up with a, uh, you know, a plan for your friends and your family and all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's not, we're just not given that assignment scripturally. We're given the assignment, and you kind of think, well, what's the harm in it? Well, because we're given the assignment to bless them, to love them, to pray for them. Love, bless, pray, encourage, motivate, you know, think of things to say that would motivate them, encourage them. That's the assignment that's given. So, if I allow myself to do the opposite of thinking of, not thinking of ways to encourage them, but thinking of ways in which their life would be better if they made different choices, that's going to affect my ability to edify them. Because it's going to stir up judgment in my heart towards them. Because then I'm going to look at them and say, yep, they're get, they got what's coming to them. You know, yeah, they're, 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 they're reaping a harvest of seeds that I watched them sow that were bad. You know, and uh, the thing about it is, is, you know, sometimes you might be right, but the, what, what do they need from you? They need you to love them, they bless them, pray for them. But here's the thing is, sometimes you're wrong because we're not the all-knowing one. We don't understand everything. The truth of it is that sometimes people go bad, uh, sometimes good people go through bad things because God's trying to make better people. God, God's sovereign and so much bigger than we understand. Sometimes you will go through something, not because you did anything wrong whether because you've deserved it, but because God's eye is on you and he wants to turn you from a good person to a great person. He wants to turn you from a great person to a godly person. That, that, he, is, that he is taking you through a process. You know, I mean, it, it's kind of like a, if you hire a personal trainer, you said, I want to get in the best shape of my life. Okay, I, I don't care what you got to do. Just get me in the best shape of my life. You know, well, if they took you through this rigid workout, you know, and you woke up the next day and you were just beat up and you were sore and you were hurting so bad, would, would you would you call them and say, "Gosh, you must just hate me. Why did you do that to me? I can't, I can't hardly walk today. I can't stand you." You know, you wouldn't turn against them. Why? Because you would you would have this understanding, no matter how much pain that you were in, you would have this confidence. Listen, you would have this confidence. That what they did, as much as it hurts, is ultimately for your good. And if we can put that much confidence in personal trainers or dietitians or physical therapists or doctors, or, if we could put that, why can't we put that confidence in the sovereign God who's proven himself in Scripture and proven himself in our lives time and time again that, that, that even while there might be suffering for a little while, 
that God will restore us in due time. And He'll turn it for good. And He'll, He'll increase our strength through this. And that he's and he's creating. He's 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 even if it, if if Satan is moving, it's a sifting, and that we're gonna come out on, on top because we are the head and not the tail, you know. But that doesn't mean that we're never gonna go through anything unpleasant. In fact, it it almost means that we're definitely going to go through things that are unpleasant. But the things that we go through are gonna make us into into better instruments and utensils to be used for the kingdom of God. All right. And now there's not a person listening today, and especially not the person speaking today. Um, none of us would say, oh, I, w- I want to go through what Job went through. I, I want to go through these sort of things. I want, I want the, you know, absolutely not. We don't desire the suffering. And, and I don't think we ever will. But if we could get to where James got to when he, when he, when he wrote, uh, I've learned to rejoice in the trials because I know that the testing of my faith produces endurance. You may not look at, look ahead to them with eager expectation, but when you're in the middle of them, just hold on tight to the Lord that you know that you're going to come out on the other end of this and you're going to come out stronger. 